Bell of Tyler Church on Sunday morning. Uh, me, who grew up in the uh, church, and the first time I attended the service here was in 1970. It's uh, just a very comforting uh, sound that uh, ties me to family, uh, to my mother, that we'll be talking about later today. I want to welcome everybody to Tyler Church. I am thrilled to see each one of you here today. Uh, I am a real believer in the uh, scripture that says, where one or two are gathered in my name, there I will be. Uh, reminds me of what I hope we can consider the worst days of the pandemic, which were last fall, when we weren't even having a regular service. And, uh, well, as far as uh, having congregation in here, but through that time, I'm very proud to say we did maintain uh, presence and do a service every week. Uh, a lot of times it was Jake and Connie and me, and uh, you were here a lot of times that uh, kind of held things together then. And to have you all here makes this uh, infinitely better than those were, where we were just uh, speaking into modern technology. So, like I said, good to have each and every one of you here today. Uh, so, um, Bob Leach, the uh, chairman of the Administrative Council, and one of the things I told uh, Gary Hope when he took over as our uh, minister was that if there was ever a time that he needed to take a vacation or uh, take a day off or even on short notice to let me know, and I would do my best to fill in for him. So, I'm uh, proud to uh, live up to that uh, uh, agreement that I made with him at that time. There are a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. I think most of you received uh, bulletins or picked up bulletins on the way in. Uh, for some of us, we'll have choir practice, bell choir practice at uh, 7.15 on uh, Wednesday. I won't be as busy as I was last week, so I'll be able to be there. And uh, Connie's looking at having those of us who are in the voice choir uh, stay and work on something after the bell choir is finished. Uh, so next week, the 17th of May, Administrative Council, and that's uh, pretty much everybody here that holds an office within the church. Um, we're gonna be doing some things to chart our way ahead, especially over the summer months, and talk about what we wanna do. Um, the 30th of May, Memorial Day service. It's the Sunday before Memorial Day, and I want to uh, mention what you see in the bulletin about honoring our veterans with a memorial video. Now, some of you have seen these in the past, but we need to update it because I think it was uh, when Don Mundy was our uh, preacher was the last time that that was really put together. You know, we can play that, but with the technology increases and things like that, I think we can do very much better. So. It says here, as part of our Memorial Day service this year, we'll be presenting a video to honor our veterans that are no longer with us. And uh, there will also, of course, be honors to those of us veterans who are still here. Uh, so, it's asking you to please submit a photo of your veteran. Now, I want to uh, elaborate on that. We're not saying people that had to be members of Tyler Church or went here for a certain amount of time. That would be veterans that have any connection to you. Uh, because we can uh, incorporate those. In the uh, course of the research I have done on our uh, Ross County people who were killed in the various wars, I have come across a lot that in the end of their obituary, it said that 
Reverend Tyler or Reverend Tuttle performed their uh, funeral service when their remains were brought back to the United States uh, because they had some kind of connection to Tyler Church. So we'll be highlighting people like that. Uh, one of the most prominent, Joseph Hoffman, who was killed at Pearl Harbor, uh, was a member of this church and his mother belonged to the church for uh, many years uh, until her death in 1949. So. Um, that's something that we don't have uh, people who are active in the church now who remember him, but certainly we want to highlight uh, people like that on this video. Uh, also, if there's somebody here that you have an uncle who was a veteran or something like that, we once again would like to highlight them. The more uh, pictures like that we can get, uh, the better it will be. Now we are asking for you to loan us the uh, pictures temporarily so we can scan them into the computer and get them back to you. If uh, there's a situation where you're so concerned about it, we'll work with you on that too. Just bring it to our attention. And uh, if you give us photos, we will uh, return them. So I am really looking forward to that uh, event and to that Memorial Day service, which I'll be uh, in charge of that as well. Uh, Anybody else have any announcements something that we should bring up that's not already printed in here that I haven't talked about? Okay. All right. That being the case, our call to worship, if you uh, got the hymnals back in the row, if you go to page 334, it would be projected here as well. We've got the words already, so not critical that you go uh, in the hymnal. But page 334, Sweet, Sweet Spirit, and I'd ask everybody to stand, and we will sing this call to worship, verse 1. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us 
and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay. And now uh, we will be singing Oh How I Love Jesus, verses 1 and 3.
And once again, I'll share the uh, fact my uh, stepdaughter is going to be rolling into town a little bit later this afternoon to be able to see her mother. And the fact that it worked out uh, to be on Mother's Day, I consider that a real joy. Uh, so let's move on then and see if uh, anybody has any concerns that they would like to bring up at this point. Anybody hospitalized that we should know about? The family of Connie Hammond. Okay, I, I saw her obituary in the uh, paper this morning. Connie is uh, a loss. She has passed away yesterday, so we do want to remember her family in our prayers. Okay, and yes, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to add um, Jamie Gibson. I grew up with her okay. and her family. She has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and apparently it's real aggressive and moving very quickly. So keep her and her families in any her prayer. Okay. I also have an unspoken. All right. Okay, so that was Jamie Gibson. Jamie. Jamie, okay. Any others? Okay, and then we can uh, look at uh, spiritual opportunities that are around us. Uh, if anybody has one you'd like to uh, share with us, a plan or anything like that, you can do so. Uh, otherwise, I'll just say that uh, uh, being a visible presence around the community with uh, people in the community or in your own families uh, is a spiritual opportunity, even if you uh, do not actively witness the uh, fact that people can see the uh, joy that you have as a Christian can be uh, a very good opportunity in all cases. Um, I have one. Okay, ma'am. I went home from church last week, mm -hmm. and I stepped out of the car, and I became very, very busy. Oh. And I made it in the house where I vomited and everything, oh, no. and I called my son, mm -hmm. and he came, and he called me. Gibson, 
and unspoken requests that we have today. Heavenly Father, we ask for your healing touch on our entire world. First of all, against the uh, ravages of COVID-19 that we have uh, dealt with and worked, struggled together and worked hard to overcome that. We also ask that you uh, put your uh, grace on the entire world. Spread the spirit of brotherly and sisterly love around the world so the sacrifices of those Christians who came before us shall not have been made in vain. We ask that you be especially mindful of the world as we approach the spring and summer months. For the fear of the Lord, you, his holy ones, and for those who fear God, you have no one. Come children, listen to us, and we will teach the fear of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are on all the righteousness, and the ears of the Lord hear their cry. And Heavenly Father, we ask that you continue to bless our church as we continue to practice our mission of making disciples of all the world. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And kind of as a... Uh, exclamation point for the end of the prayer. I'd like you to remain seated but join me in the prayer chorus. Sweet hour of prayer. We have first verse.
I think so. If anybody wants to contest that, we will, and I can help you take this to your car later on. And put it right there. Okay, now, the next thing, we might have to do this by showing fingers. Um, so I want to find out who is the woman here who has the most children. Let's see. We have any with 10 children? We used to. <laughs> okay. How about anybody with more than three children? Anybody with more than three? Okay, anybody have three children? Okay. No. And no, nobody in between 10 and three, right? Nobody with four or five. Okay. How about then two children? Okay. Anybody going once? All right. I'll see. We had a tiebreaker uh, figured out, and I thought, oh, when we get to two, we might have several people. But, so I will bring these over to you. And congratulations on this set right here. Happy Mother's Day. Okay, so with that lead off, you can imagine what I'm going to be talking about. So today is Mother's Day. And this is the day when families pay special tribute to their moms in various ways. We take them out to dinner, we buy them special gifts, we send flowers. But the sad thing is oftentimes Mother's Day is really just a time when families or in my case, a young son, uh, would try to atone for the entire year of neglect and disrespect. You know, so uh, when I was a uh, teenager, I was, oh, the, uh, what, what, the thorn in my mom's side sometimes. She was very proud of me a lot of times, but then there were other times. And uh, so it was this lack of uh, respect and a lack of appreciation. Then on Mother's Day, I made it all right by, you know, making a special card for her or, uh, you know, cutting the grass or doing something uh, and saying, ah, well, happy Mother's Day. Um, shouldn't be that way, but it is. And as I go on with this, I do want to acknowledge uh, Mr. Ken McKinley, an uh, individual who put the uh, thoughts for this uh, message together. And I drew heavily on some of his idea. So most people will agree, whether you're Christians or not, that especially here in the U.S. and maybe Europe, some of the developed world, we are in a post-Christian era. Now that doesn't mean that the church is dead, you know, by no means, or that Christianity is dead, but it does mean the influence that biblical Christianity once had on our nation and on the culture has diminished quite a bit. I think 100 years ago, 200 years ago, the church was like the central point for entire communities and for entire nations. Okay? And I would submit that people who were Christians 100 years ago, 200 years ago, if they were transported to today, they would not even recognize the, uh, the society as part of uh, a church-led society that they were familiar with. So this includes morality, education, social action, and maybe, and this could be most importantly, parenting as well. So 
Basically, what has happened is that secular humanistic reasoning has taken the place of biblical truth when it comes to setting the parameters for the home and family. So by contrast, a Christian should be one who sees the home and marriage and parenting as framed within the parameters of God's infallible word, the Bible. And the truth of God's word should not only shape our beliefs and practices in all areas of life, but there are absolutes that guide us through life. And so our opinions and beliefs are only legitimately Christian to the degree that they line up with God's word. The problem is that today our minds have been darkened by secularism and sin, and a lot of folks can't even tell if something is biblical or not. So we expect that from the world, but we're actually seeing the same thing within some churches as well. The trend is that we're seeing in the church is that the church folks are acknowledging the sufficiency of God and the Bible, but sometimes they fail to see a need to subject their personal opinions, reasoning, and emotions to the guidelines of Scripture in all areas of life, including what happens at home. So we read something like Romans 12, 2, which says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we think that only applies to our moral behavior and not to things like our marriage or raising kids. Uh, instead, we leave those things up to pop psychologists and talk show hosts. So somebody will watch Dr. Phil or Oprah to uh, get an idea on how to conduct their parenting and their marriage and things like that. But all of our relationships should be directed by the truth of Scripture, whether it's education, finances, political involvement, our jobs, our marriage, or parenting. So that's it. I'm the substitute today, and I noticed a lot of people have skipped. I'll turn in attendance uh, sheet to the office. But we've got the Bibles uh, in the pews, and so most of you should see one near you. And if so, I'd like to pick it up and go to Proverbs 31 with me. And if you pick up one of the Bibles from the pew, that's on page 723. Uh, so about in the middle, I always heard, you open a standard Bible, you'll be in the books of Psalms. If you open it right to the middle, and Proverbs is like two, two books away from that. Okay, so we're on page 723, and this is Proverbs 31. That is very interesting because almost an instruction uh, list or a description of the ideal uh, parent. Okay, so we're talking about the capable wife. So verse 10, how hard is it to find a capable wife? She is worth far more than jewels. Her husband puts his confidence in her, and he will never be poor. As long as she lives, she does him good and never harm. She keeps herself busy making wool and linen cloth. She brings home food from out-of-the-way out places, as merchant ships do. She gets up before daylight to prepare food for her family and to tell her servant girls what to do. She looks at land and buys it, and with money she has earned, she plants a vineyard. She is a hard worker, strong and industrious. 
She knows the value of everything she makes and works late into the night. She spins her own thread and weaves her own cloth. She is generous to the poor and needy. She doesn't worry when it snows because her family has warm clothing. She makes bedspreads and wears clothes with fine purple linen. Her husband is well known, one of the leading citizens. She makes clothes and belts and sells them to merchants. She is strong and respected and not afraid of the future. She speaks with a gentle wisdom. She is always busy and looks after her family's needs. Her children show their appreciation and her husband praises her. He says, many women are good wives, but you are the best of them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty disappears, but a woman who honors the Lord should be praised. Give her credit for all she does. She deserves respect of everyone. So while we can take some things out of there about spinning your own thread, because there are not a whole lot of women that have to do that anymore, you can uh, get those things uh, at local uh, stores and order them online. Uh, there clearly are many things that describe the ideal and universal woman. So before I go into the package, to the passage, let me uh, share two points of random knowledge. So in verses 10 to 31, it's a uh, it's what was called an alphabetic acrostic in Hebrew. In other words, the literal Hebrew language, each verse begins with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet in order. So it's like if we had our alphabet, the first verse we start with the letter A, the second with the letter B, and so on. Okay, so pretty cool. Now, secondly, the word or phrase that's translated as virtuous or of noble character is the Hebrew word shayil, which means strength and valor, and always excellent. Throughout the Bible, this word is translated as able or capable eight times. It's translated as strength 10 times and is valued over 40 times. And basically, it's referring to moral strength, integrity, and efficiency. So, as we uh, went through those verses, I give a good understanding of what the writer meant by virtuous. So, personally, at least five qualities. If you look at verses 11, 12, and 23, you'll see that it said this ideal woman was trustworthy and devoted. She has her husband's confidence and she enhances his reputation. She's a woman of diligence and wisdom, and we see that in verses 13 and 19. She's not afraid to work, she's a wise shopper, and she plans ahead. And next, she is a giving person. Verse 20 said that she extended her hands to the poor. In other words, she's planned ahead well enough to be able to not only take care of the family's needs, but also the needs of poor in her society. Next, that those verses said this woman is dependable. So we see that in verses 15, 21, and 27. When adversity comes, be it bad weather, they said it snowed, and I always think of where the Bible was written. They do have snow in some regions of uh, the Middle East. Uh, so, in bad weather or something else, she's already got a plan for how to deal with it, whatever it might be. And then lastly, she's a woman who loves the world. We see that by reading all the verses in the text. She's someone who is guided and directed by God's word and wisdom. So, ladies, you might read through this and say to yourself, well, this isn't describing a woman, this is describing superwoman, supergirl. And that's actually a pretty good assessment. It's describing a woman who's living in a supernatural way with a supernatural God. 
And it has to be that way because there are few things that are more important to society than godly mothers. The Bible is clear in its teachings, both explicit and implicit, that the family is the foundation of society. And while fathers are responsible for the way the family goes, mothers are the glue that holds the family together. In my experience in the military, we always found it was the mom that was really raising the kids. The dad was getting deployed, or he was off training, or there was an inspection that required him to stay well after hours, and it was the moms that held things together. That was both my personal experience and the experience of General Douglas MacArthur as he was growing up. His father was a career military officer and often not home. So, you know, Douglas MacArthur's greatness was more attributable to his mother than to his father. So, since moms are so important to the family and society, I want to really quickly look at some of the problems that they face. And the rest of us, the gentleman with us, we can really show our appreciation this Mother's Day and every day of the year. So first of all, guys, we need to look at motherhood and femininity with respect. Okay, and I said femininity, got that word out, different from feminism. Okay, the Bible warns us over and over again about the anti-Christian forces that are constantly at work to get us to adopt the values and attitudes of the world. Warn us in the Bible, and we see it today. Okay. The uh, Romans 12 told us that we're not to be conformed to the world's pattern. We aren't supposed to be shoved into the mold that the world has for us. So let me just be blunt and tell you what is meant by that. Motherhood is more important than anything else. And we know that there are many women who uh, do both a career and motherhood. And it's important to understand which is more important. And you see that frequently um, if there's a call and somebody has to rush home from work, it's normally the mom. She has said at that point, her family or her children are more important than the job. Secondly, in Timothy, it says, but know this, that in the last days of perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, Bruder, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness by denying its power. From such people turn away. So, what Paul was saying there told Timothy that the perilous times will come in the last days because the people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. Boasting pride and blasphemy are all sins of pride that come from loving oneself. Disobedience to parents and unthankfulness also come from our sense of over-exaggerated self-worth. So it goes on, but this is the world that we live in. And so, what do you think this does to the woman who, by the very nature of her creation, is geared to needing and giving love, affection, and reassurance? What does it do when the husband loves himself more than his wife or when he loves money more than his wife. So you see, Satan's first attack was against the wife and it immediately affected the home. He still attacks us today, including moms and wives. But then a couple 
You couple that with the fact that people, sometimes husbands, are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, they're proud, and kids are sometimes disobedient, and people are unthankful, unloving, and these unhumanistic, unpolitical ideas and beliefs and behavioral patterns affect the family and the home, and especially the mom, because she is the keeper of the home. Now, so those of us who are husbands, fathers, stepfathers, we need to take note of this because even though our wives are to be the keepers of the home, we're supposed to be the protectors of the home. In other words, we should not allow these sorts of things to infiltrate our homes and our lives and the lives of our families. We can't do a whole lot about it out in the world, but we can make sure that it's not infiltrating our homes. So, next, we want to go to Ephesians, a New Testament verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 23. And get to that. Okay, so, we're, uh, those of you who still have the Bibles accessible, uh, chapter 5, verse 23, we are on page 263 of the New Testament. So this says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. He did this to dedicate the church to God by his word, after making it clean by washing it in water, in order to present the church to himself in all its beauty, pure and faultless, without spot or wrinkle or any other imperfection. Men ought to love their wives just as they love their own bodies. A man who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, so that passage clearly says the husbands are the head of the house, but it also says they're to love their wives just like Jesus loved the church. Now, in other words, we love our wives sacrificially. And let me tell you, if we fail to love our wives like this, what we're doing is disobeying the commandment given to us from God's word. And we're dis distorting the picture that marriage provides of Christ and the church to the world. So you might have heard the saying, as goes the home, so goes the church. And as goes the church, so goes the world. Well, this passage is where that idea comes from. Christian marriage is a picture of Christ and his church to the unbelieving world. And secondly, if we fail to love our wives like this, we're sinning against our wives and our children because our kids pick up on our attitudes and actions. One thing that gets me more riled up than anything uh, is seeing a kid disrespect his or her mother. And that causes my blood to boil because a lot of times they pick that up from their father. And I'll tell you right now, it shouldn't be tolerated. Okay, so next, I want to say that Jesus himself took the time to pray and be alone with his heavenly father. So, your moms, you might find yourself so busy that you don't take time to sit at the feet of the Lord and listen to his word and take your burdens and cares to him. The Bible makes it pretty clear that no wife or husband or mom or dad can be the kind of spouse or parent that God has called them to be without the Lord's help. In fact, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Now, we're going to look at the last two verses of Proverbs 31, and then we'll close. 
Okay, so remember that's what we started with. The last two verses said, charm is deceptive and beauty disappears. But a woman who honors the Lord should be praised. Give her credit for all she does. She deserves the respect of everyone. So, the woman who finds her value in her looks will either have so much plastic surgery and Botox as she gets older that she'll end up looking something like a, uh, you know, something almost supernatural, or she would start devaluing her worth to the point of self-loathing, okay? Because in this secular society we talked about, it's youth and uh, facial and a physical beauty that seems to be admired. And of course, with all people, age gravity eventually sets in on us. But for the woman who respects the Lord, she shall be praised. The fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. And a woman who fears and respects the Lord doesn't have to toot her own horn. And she doesn't have to brag or boast about what she's accomplished. So I remember some of the stalwarts in the church, um, Gladys Wagner, Edith Gaynor, that uh, they were older women and they were respected by all. Her own works praised her and people will see it and know it. Her children will rise up and call her blessed and her husband will praise her. So, man, with encouraging all you moms out there this morning, God doesn't call you to be perfect. He calls you to walk in his perfection. It's not by might, nor by power, nor by his, or it's by his spirit that declares the Lord. So, take time to set at the feet of Jesus. In other words, take time to get into the word of God. Read the Bible, study the Bible, learn the Bible, memorize the Bible even. You do that, and before long, people will find that you're living the Bible. Compare what God's Word says with what the world says, and if they differ, reject the world's point of view. And lastly, keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Lay aside every weight of sin that keeps your eyes that so easily besets us and look unto the author and finisher of your faith. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together on this Mother's Day of all days. We honor all mothers and ask that you make the way easy and more bearable and with the tools that you've provided for of the mothers, the special women in our lives. Heavenly Father, all the things that you have uh, brought, that you've blessed our world with, we ask you to highlight those to us so that we can turn away from those things of the world that run counter to your message and to your ideas. We ask all these things in Christian love. Amen. Okay, now to end our... Uh, service today. We have uh, hymn number 462. I'd like to stand for this, and it's tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, and we'll be singing verses 1 and 4. <clears throat>
out, you'll see we still have a number of the flowers, the carnations that were available on the way in. I'd like you to think, if today or tomorrow you're visiting any other special lady, I'm going to be taking one to my sister, one to Debbie, um, please take what is here uh, with you. Um, and they can even, if you be visiting a cemetery for a special mom or lady that's no longer with us, consider taking one to uh, lay at her uh, gravesite. So please bow with me and uh, say the final prayer and benediction. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for all that you have done for us. And as we go forward in the world, we ask that you provide us strength to be your beacon and provide a symbol to all we encounter of your Christian love. As he sings in Jesus' name, amen.